Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. We had a home birth back in 2016. So we started a podcast about it. And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth. This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey. This is Doing It At Home. Welcome home, loved ones, and welcome to another episode of Doing It At Home. We have a great episode for you today. It is titled Releasing Fear, Guilt, and Shame Around Sexuality in Pregnancy, Birth, and Postpartum with Rosie Reese, the creator of Splash Blanket and Yoni Pleasure Palace. Here's a question for you. Have you ever had feelings of fear, guilt, and or shame around sex? Well, if you have, you are most certainly not alone. In fact, you are likely in the majority. We just don't always talk about it because of the perceived taboo aspect of it. We here personally really love tying in the conversation of intimacy and sensuality with birth. We've had a number of guests on the show who reference it, and we've shared it in some of our own experiences. And so today, chatting with Rosie, the creator of Splash Blanket and Yoni Pleasure Palace, we talk about some really amazing themes here. We talk about Rosie's background and what brought her into the world of sexual wellness. We talk about blockages that prevent us from experiencing deep pleasure, particularly during the times of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. What is the slow self-pleasure revolution? We go into that. We talk about yoni eggs and how Splash Blanket is a support tool for the entire fertility process. You might have heard me talk about Splash Blanket or share it on our social media and in our email newsletters because we have hours in preparation for our home birth, but also in postpartum life. And when you use the code DIAH15, at splashblanket.com or yonipleasurepalace.com, you'll get 15% off of your purchase. And that'll be there for you in the show notes. I have that link and that code for you. But if you can pause right now and you want to go ahead and grab yours, you can do so again with that code DIAH15 on either website of Splash Blanket or Yoni Pleasure Palace. Rosie is incredibly passionate about creating more opportunities for people to connect in intimacy and stress less about the mess, whether it's sex, massage, birthing, or raising a family. And so Splash Blanket is a tool that is really proven to be a must-have in thousands of homes around the world, ours included. 
And Rosie's passion about all of these things that we talk about is so obvious. It's so clear and it's so powerful. And I'm really grateful to her and the whole team at Splash Blanket for supporting doing it at home and for joining us in this important conversation. So enjoy our chat with Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yes, we appreciate it. We're excited to chat with you and have your energy here with us and to share it with doing it at home. This is really personally exciting for me. I've followed you for a while and been like checking in on everything you're up to and creating. So I love that we're able to bring this particularly to the space of preconception, pregnancy, birth, that whole journey and how relevant empowering your sex life as well as your birthing experience. So that's really what we're going to be getting into today. Mm, Absolutely. I I love that you're bringing this topic to life and, you know, it's my role in this lifetime to destigmatize self-pleasure and sex and yeah, it naturally moves into birth for sure. I love that. That's so clear. That's such a clear mission too. And so I I can get behind that and I want to support you in that. Um, so to add a little bit more context to that, could you just share a little bit about your background, what brought you into that or what had you realized that's your role um, in this in this lifetime? Absolutely. Oh my God. There's so many things that have happened in my life to get me to this point to be in sexual wellness mm-hmm. and, and owning three big sex positive companies. But the, the three main things that like spark in my memory is that the first aha moment is I had no sex education, age appropriate sex education as a child. Mm. And there's just so much wrong with this. I didn't learn about my anatomy, about my vulva, my vagina. You know, we called it another name. Um, I had no, I guess, like awareness around consent or boundaries, or pleasure and no menstruation education either. So I remember receiving um, a lesson at school. I think it was a bit too late by that stage. I was about 12 years old and they put a tampon in a glass of water and it just expanded and we all just looked at the teacher like mortified, like what, that's got to go in my body. And then that was it. So I just feel as though we've got to do better than that. You know, that, that, that really sets us up for life. And I didn't receive education from my parents or from my school system. So it really does start in the home with mum and dad or mum and mum or dad and dad um, with them educating kids. So that's a real big passion of mine. Um, And then the second one was when I was a teenager and I experienced my first orgasm and it was with a boyfriend, which is great. However, I didn't know what was happening in my body. It was through him giving it to me and I didn't even know I had a clitoris, for example. Mm. And you know, I'm really inspired to educate women and like empower them to know how, what turns them on. Pop your own cherry Mm. as, as a teen, when you're exploring your body um, and not relying on another person. So that was a big moment for me realizing that, oh my God, this person's giving me pleasure, which is lovely, but like, I don't even know how to give myself Mm. that pleasure. And it wasn't until I was 19 when I had my first orgasm with myself with a vibrator. Um, And that, that's okay. But imagine if we started that conversation like way earlier in life and then the third thing that really got me on this path I guess today is when I was 26 so this is almost 10 years ago now I um, experienced like a a sexual awakening in Bali at a yoni egg initiation and it it was the first time that I'd basically touched or connected with my vulva and my vagina in a way that was 
sacred and honoring and non-sexual. It was sensual, but mm. it wasn't sexual. And it healed so many layers of trauma and, you know, giving, basically looking for validation at the end of a penis and mm. all the guilt and shame that I experienced growing up with a, a very Catholic upbringing. And that was the moment that I was like, I this is what I need to do. I was in finance recruitment before that. <laughs> and I just literally quit my job, went to India and Bali and did all these courses and certifications. And then here I am now. It's it's unbelievable, really. But I, I love what I do. It's I'm really passionate about that education piece for women. That's incredible. That's amazing. I mean, I myself am going, oh my gosh, yes. And I'm sure so many other <laughs> listeners are too, whether they can relate to any of those aspects of those really pivotal moments you had, whether that happened to them as well. I can relate to all that from the abysmal sexual education to having yeah. things go on with my body that I didn't know what it was. Um, I know women who they started their first period and didn't know what it was and thought they were dying. Because they literally had no context for what was happening to them. So I think about anything within myself and then other stories that I'm sure we've heard when we've gathered around as women and talked about these sorts of things. So I'm sure so many right now are thinking, oh, my gosh, that was me or I can relate to that or that's where I'm at right now. Maybe that maybe that I'm in one of those as I'm coming into a new understanding or a new awakening, particularly as you might be embarking on preconception, pregnancy and motherhood. It calls you to look into how you relate to your body, how you relate to your sexuality, because uh, those things are very much a part of of that journey and that process. Um, so I just I acknowledge you for leaning into that call and and answering to that inspiration, so that you can now be doing what you're doing. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And it's usually not until a woman is pregnant mm. that she starts to go, "Oh shit, I've got to actually focus on my pelvic floor." and understand what my cervix is doing my uterus and it's like that it's it's never too late mm -hmm. but again imagine if we were learning about this from a younger age like at my our six-year-old my um, six-year-old stepdaughter she knows what a vulva is and what a um, vagina and she calls it the the clitoris the glitterous like glitter <laughs> oh, yes. um, we don't correct her on that and right. we show her like the the vulva puppet that we have and she's very aware and I don't think many children at that age are and it's all age appropriate but right. yeah it's like one day she'll be educating hopefully her friends in school around this absolutely that's, that's amazing i mean hearing you describe the things that you know you didn't have awareness around uh, as a as a young woman you know for young men we absolutely at least yeah if for, we don't know you definitely don't know yeah i mean <laughs> I think about the education that i had Ugh. around the female body and it was it was it was through pornography mm. that's what it was through and so the the context and the energy was so different um and so for what you're up to right now is is incredible and then they get a rude shock when they experience sex and it's nothing like what they see in porn and Absolutely. Um, it's all about performance and very penis centric. It's mm. yeah, it, there's a lot of work to do, but I feel like we're, we're getting there. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've kind of looked at this topic of pleasure, right? And bringing pleasure into your experience. And we're very much about having that in your pregnancy and your birth and postpartum as well. As you're healing, you can absolutely stay connected to sexual energy and sexual intimacy and loving on your body while you're healing. But there are blockages, as we've kind of alluded to, there are these blockages that can prevent us from experiencing that pleasure. And I'm just wondering your insights in your own experience and now doing the work that you've been doing for a while now, 
what are a lot of those main blockages and or maybe where do they come from and how can we be more aware of them? Such a good question. So the main blockages, if I could break it down really simple, is fear, guilt, and shame. Mm. So shame, sexual shame, shame around your body, the way it looks, maybe, you know, porn kind of shows one, I call it the um, like Barbie doll pussy Mm. and you know, a lot of vul- vulvas look very different. So shame around maybe what your vulva looks like, what your vagina or vulva tastes like or mm. it smells like. Like that's a huge element of that a lot of female-bodied people have shame around. Um, maybe shame around your expression, your sexual expression, um, whether you're orgasmic enough. I'm like, I could list off so many things. It's really incredible actually because I teach naked yoga as well for women. It's called Naked Awakening. Oh. And Something that I've realized over the years is that women will come to my workshop. It's a four-hour immersion. And, you know, it's really about accepting your body and being vulnerable in a safe space and releasing. And, oh, my gosh, it's just incredible. And doing it naked. So really normalizing nudity. And then they go home and they have the most intimate lovemaking experience with themselves or with their partner. Mm-hmm. And they, they realize that it's because they've really deeply accepted and loved and embraced their physical body and then they go home they're able to it's like that body image piece filters into the sexual expression piece and I've even had women conceive after naked yoga Um, which just shows it's like you know full opening and loving of your body so shame is a big one sexual shame um guilt the guilt we carry um if you've been brought up like I was with a really religious um not so much family, but school system. I went to a lot of like Catholic, Presbyterian, Lutheran, you name it. And there was this fear of life that I can't touch my body and I can't have sex and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember crying after losing my virginity when I was 17. And so that, and I didn't really heal that until I was 26. Mm. So the guilt of that, um, guilt maybe of being disappointed in sex or disappointing someone in sex or, um, guilt around trauma that you're holding and you're blaming yourself for that. Uh, another, and, and so in terms of fear, like the fear of, it might be the fear of, you know, being, uh, hurt or pain, feeling yeah. pain in sex. There's so many different things that we can almost like cock block ourselves from receiving pleasure. And we just kind of put it in the too hard basket. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And so fear, guilt, and shame, we hear a lot of those just around the topic of pregnancy and birth. And not even necessarily specifically alluding to anything sexual, but we hear it come up. There's so parallel these things because birth and and sex are, as far as hormonally concerned, like equal and all the cocktails that go on. But then the nuances, I feel like, and the threads of how we relate to it are very similar as well because it involves a lot of the same parts and particularly for women and how they relate to their bodies. So we are constantly hearing birth stories that contain any combination of fear, guilt, and shame that impact the birthing room and the birth experience and then the postpartum experience thereafter, whether it's fear of childbirth, like you said, the pain or anything that can come up with it or the the fear that's laden in our societal programming around it, guilt around how you might express yourself or be in birth or how you might look or sound or smell or any of those things or what might come out of you. And then shame right along with that, just kind of hanging out as its buddy of anything that has to do with how how you conceived the journey. Uh, so it's it's just so interesting how interlinked these things are, but at times we we find trouble with t- 
talking about them together and talking about sexuality being so intricately linked with pregnancy and birth, but we, we remove it to, for all these reasons, because of the fear, guilt, and shame. Totally. And it's, at its essence, it's like a fear of vulnerability. Yeah. Like you don't get more vulnerable than sex and intimacy or birth. And it's really interesting because they both have such a a link to our jaw, our mouth, our throat, Mm -hmm. um, and our pelvis and our vagina and our, you know, it's all about opening and expressing. And yeah, it's the link, but I'm so fascinated by the link between, um, yeah, our mouth and like think of our lips as our labia Mm -hmm. and our um, throat as our vagina, our uh, glottis or larynx as our cervix, and even the vagus nerve that connects from the back of the skull, the brain down all the way to the cervix. Like when we make that sound and we're allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to be fully cracked open, yelling, screaming, crying, expressing yourself fully it, and you got you have to feel the thing with vulnerability is you need to feel safe yeah you need to feel trust like you're trusting yourself and you're trusting the people around you and that that goes with sex that goes with birth mm-hmm. and yeah having that incredible portal like opening up the jaw helps to open up the pussy mm. and vice versa there's actually been studies with dentists and uh, I think it's physiotherapists who did massage through the jaw and the mouth and realized that it actually helped to relax and release the vaginal tension and vice versa. If you do massage in the vagina, if you're a clencher, you know, it it releases through there. And so that's a beautiful link with sex as well and, and birth. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's really beautiful. If we just strip the, 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 constructs that we create around all of this stuff and you just look at it simply like if you just look at the biology of what you just explained then it just is what it is yeah, and you so can similar. appreciate it and you can honor it and and have a sacred reverence for it as you kind of alluded to earlier it just is what it is and then we put all our stuff on it because someone had some type of experience or someone wants to control a certain part of some place of life but it it just is. And when you can step back and really see that for what it is, it's really incredible. There really aren't words for it. It's this miraculous gift that we have to, to tap into. <coughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And like I, as a, as a tool to prepare for birth would be lots of sounding and um, through insects and self-pleasure, but just in general, like opening the mouth, relaxing the teeth away from each other and the, the tongue from the roof of your mouth and doing lots of massage through the jaw and um, letting yourself moan and groan. And like, yeah, it, it's such a dance between pain. Even in sex, sometimes mm-hmm. it can feel like this dance between a bit of pain and a bit of pleasure and finding that sweet spot. And I find that for me, um, when I started to open my mouth and make authentic sound, whatever the fuck I sounded like, it actually enhanced my pleasure. Mm. It, like, it, it opened me up to internal orgasms. This is what happened when I was 26. I started using this yoni egg and I came home and was from Bali and was using it every day. And within about 30 days or so, or a month or two, I was having internal orgasms and I was... Um, having squirting and like experiencing all this stuff that I'd been trying to experience. I'd read about it since I was 21 and it hadn't happened, but yeah, opening up the channels both vaginally and through your voice 
oh my gosh, like you can really, um, I guess, elevate yourself from pain to into pleasure and, you know, hopefully have an orga- orgasmic birth. That'd be nice. I'd love to have that one day. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love the sounding in, in many different forms. It could look many ways, but as a very specific thing, as far as preparation for birth, are there any others that come to your mind that you've worked with, with, with clients or people you've come across in, in your, in your journeys, or that you've just seen examples of that are other really great things to help prep for that opening experience? Mm. Uh, I talk a lot about the self, the slow self-pleasure revolution and, having a self like during pregnancy, but also before and obviously after, but um, yeah, massaging the yoni and slowing down your pleasure practice so that you can start to feel more. A lot of women ask me, can I use the yoni egg? Can I use these toys, um, these crystal wands and glass wands that I sell um, during pregnancy? And it's such a personal choice. Like some women use it the whole way through and have an epic pregnancy. Other women feel very drawn not to go anywhere near that kind of stuff. So it's always, you know, go with your own body and and what it's telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do find that women who have used a yoni egg, uh, generally because it's like a weight resistance, like this beautiful little crystal egg or or glass egg, um, it tends to awaken the tissue so that you feel more and you're more, you're more like you have more sensory awareness inside the vagina, which is great. That's what you want during birth. You want to be feeling, you don't want to be disconnected from the belly button down, which to be honest, like so many people Mm -hmm. are walking around just not embodying their pussy, not embodying their hips, their waist, their pelvis. And a yoni egg is, well, for me, this is what happened to me. It just woke up my pussy, <laughs> woke mm-hmm. it up and created more sensation, more lubrication, more um, pleasure and mm-hmm. arousal. And I think that that can only be a good thing for birth. Yeah. And maybe not using it in the first trimester so much because it's always a bit hit and miss with, um, you know, how your hormones are going and how you're feeling. But definitely second trimester, even if it's just for 15 minutes, at a time might be really nice and not necessarily to put in and walk around the house and more so like to massage the perineum and Mm -hmm. massage the outer ring of the vagina to just get it to feel what it feels like. You can even do it. You don't even need a yoni egg. You can do this with your hands, your fingers, um, just to massage that outer ring of the vagina so that it starts to soften Mm. and feeling that safety in yourself. And then you can use the egg to slide inside and massage you know, the bottom wall of the vagina and then the side walls and then the upper wall. Um, and maybe you might leave it in for a few minutes while you breathe and while you meditate or do a breath work and then you just take it out. So it's definitely not like a practice you do putting it in and then leaving it in all day. God, mm-hmm. no, like it's really a conscious, slow, de- like a beautiful devotion to your yoni. And then you can birth it out. But, I mean, no, not like pushing and bearing down, but scooping it out or letting your uh, yoni just let it come out is a really beautiful experience as well prior to birth. I love the idea of incorporating ritual and yeah. and like you said practice into the pregnancy experience because we're there are a lot of logistical things that are suggested for pregnancy to prepare for birth and to prepare for postpartum but to connect it with kind of an intimate spiritual sacred element. I really like that in terms of connecting with the primal aspect of birth and all of that. And for someone who's listening, who maybe this is the first time they've heard Yoni Egg 
and they're thinking, okay, what, where would I even begin with that? What, how would I start? Can you give just like a brief 101 of why one would use a yoni egg and what they could do if they're curious about looking into it? Yeah. So if you're not feeling called to use a yoni egg during pregnancy, that's, you know, a, a lot of people don't. Um, it's just because it's a, you don't want to incorporate a brand new practice. Yeah. You've never done anything like this. Like always, the, most of the women that have used a yoni egg during pregnancy have used it before. And it's a very common, regular practice that they've done. Um, but generally before or after using uh, being pregnant and giving birth, um, it helps to tone the muscles, to essentially tone and um, strengthen the pelvic floor muscles, which hold up the bowel, the bladder, the uterus, mm. basically like the whole body, right? And so using this little weight inside your vagina, and you can use a Kegel weight, which is made of silicon as well. It doesn't have to be crystal. It can be a glass weight. It can be steel. We mm. sell like all the different materials, um, just whatever you're drawn to use. But essentially a yoni egg, the medium size is a good size. It's like a you know, the kind of three centimeters by four centimeters and a drill, make sure it has a little drilled hole so you can tie through. We've got this beautiful organic biodegradable string that you can um, pull it out just like you would a tampon. And it's essentially using it for 15 minutes to maybe tops an hour a day and doing a Kegel. So squeezing and lifting and drawing the egg up towards the cervix, pausing for a moment, maybe giving it a little hug. Like it's like you're hugging the crystal, mm. hugging the, the weight and then relaxing and letting it go and, and feeling the weight in your vagina and just doing that. I usually suggest 30 times a day so you can do 10, take a little break, 10, and then, yeah, it's it's nice to do that. Um, and you definitely feel stronger. It's amazing how quickly you feel almost like you can hold your way in for longer. You don't wet yourself when you sneeze or jump on a trampoline or laugh. Um, it definitely has a lot of benefits. Yeah. Uh, and then orgasmically, I find that my orgasms are a lot stronger when I have it as well. That's amazing. I feel like too, when I've used my yoni eggs in the past, I have a little collection of them too, a little, little egg basket that uh, I feel like you have a little secret too when, you, when you're doing it. Like, you know something it? and yeah, people, but if you, if you are in public, like I've kept it in and gone out and done an errand and come back or something like that. I just feel like you, you don't know what I'm doing right now. That's great. <laughs> I love that. And it really does ground you in your body. Mm -hmm. It makes you remember like, oh, I have this incredible vagina going on here and like, this womb portal. And it helped, for me, it helps me get me out of my head sometimes and like into my body. If I'm really up in that masculine do, 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 if I put a yoni egg in, I can't help but like move a bit slower mm. and like feel a bit more juicy and a bit more, yeah, embodied in my feminine. Yeah. Rosie, can you can you talk to the person who's listening to this and um, who's hearing you describe these different practices and they're intrigued enough to listen, but then the idea of going and actually attempting these things or practicing themselves, like there might be some embarrassment. Um, can you speak to that and and share sort of how you would help a person, like a first step in perhaps exploring their body in these ways when you know, they, they have felt those, that shame, that guilt, that fear. What would you say to the person who wants to get started in some of these, but just is feeling, mm. you know, embarrassed about it? Mm. Well, first of all, that's not uncommon. And this is relatively, yes, it's, this is ancient work. Yoni eggs are an ancient practice from ancient China. 
but this is new. It's coming back around into our society and, and that's fantastic. It's being normalised and celebrated. It's not just reserved for the queen and her concubines. But what comes with that is that actually we've been sexually suppressed and repressed for, what, nearly 2,000-odd years, right? And so it, it's so common to feel that sense of like, oh, I don't want to put anything in my vagina. Is it going to get stuck? Is it going to get lost? What if I can't get it out? Um, you know, it, just fear, unknown, uh, you know, not knowing what to do. And for people like that, and there's a lot out there because I, I work at expos and, and share this um, to mainstream, totally mm-hmm. mainstream people who have never heard this stuff before and these are all the questions that they come up with. I would suggest the first before doing any mm-hmm. of this work is cupping, cupping your vulva, which, again, for some people they haven't even done that, cupping your vulva and starting to just form a relationship with her mm-hmm. or with, with them, with it, and starting to just ask her what she needs, what she likes, what she desires, what she fears, because your yoni, your, your I call it a yoni, which means sacred space, but it, 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 that's an Indian Sanskrit word that we are borrowing, um, is very vocal she has a voice she she knows what she wants and sometimes we just need to tune into her boundaries her yeses and her noes to figure out does she want a yoni egg is she ready for that or does she just need you to cup her and breathe with her and maybe she even just every day like waking up cupping your vulva men can do this too of course um and just asking her how do you feel today Mm. we can do it at night time before going to bed how are you feeling today maybe she feels neglected Maybe she feels sore. Maybe she feels sad. You know, maybe she's quite depressed. Maybe she feels really like you're not giving me much attention or I don't feel very loved. And just staying with that and, and really connect. Because we, we haven't been taught how to connect to our genitals. Mm-hmm. If anything, we've been taught to disconnect. Disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why I love the yoni egg practice and the, the yoni wands and um, pleasure wands because it really helps you to slow down and create this beautiful loving relationship with them that you haven't been taught from your mom and your dad or from a mentor or guardian growing up like we may be used to. Mm. I love that so much of what you've shared so far has been about your relationship you know yeah. with with your with your genitals with your yoni and um, forming that that loving relationship and the communication that happens so that's that's those are great steps first steps for somebody if they are feeling like intrigued, but yeah. okay, where do I start with this? Because this is all very foreign to me. Mm. I think we're even afraid to slow down, regardless of what it is, just to be more intentional about the things that we're doing and take it one step at a time, whether that's something in the bedroom or not. So I love the theme of just slowing down in general and what what you can hear what communication you might get from your body, what intel you might get when you slow down. And I know this pregnancy has really been teaching me to slow down in in a new and different way. So to apply that slow down attitude to a lot of life, I think is where we ultimately came from. Like you said, that's ancient too. And it's coming back around now as a way to essentially save us from the lifestyle that we've created, particularly in Western culture. Mm. It's like we need to slow down. It's not even like we're choosing it as a proactive thing. It's like life or our bodies are telling us we have to slow down or we are not going to make it. So I love the, the slow down theme here. And we could not have a conversation without talking about this thing called the splash blanket. 
and how amazing it is. And I want to learn a little bit about where it comes from, like the inspiration for it, a little bit of the history of it, because let me tell you, not just personally for us in this house, but when I'm places now and anything kind of comes up, especially around home birth, home birth is a given. But then if there's kind of a juicy topic around sex and you know, women are talking about some of the things that come up in the bedroom. Like, well, let me tell you about this thing right here. <laughs> I'm like pedaling. I'm like pulling out my phone. I'm like, you need to see this because yes. this is literally unlike anything I've seen before. So please enlighten and tell us a little bit about where Splash Blanket comes from. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited that you do that. I do the same thing. I can't <laughs> shut up about it. Oh, um, she, she, and a lot yeah. of people can't. They're like, why is this just a new thing? This is crazy. So I'm bisexual and I have dated men my whole life. And then when I hit 30, something happened and I was just like, I don't want to be with a man anymore. I want to be with a woman. And I fell in love with this incredible um, woman. They're now non-binary. So, um, yeah, we've had that whole transition as well. And at the beginning of our relationship, we were just, neither of us had really ever been with a female-bodied person. And so we were just exploring a lot. And one thing led to another. And obviously me being me and doing all this sexuality work, I learned how to make them squirt. And time after time, I was like washing the sheets and like, you know, had some mishaps with the the mattress Mm -hmm. and needing to get a new mattress. And I was like, oh my God, this is getting just too much. Mm -hmm. It's getting out of hand in a very good way. Um, (laughs) And so I just thought by that stage, the only pleasure palace was, you know, a very well-known renowned name in Australia and, um, and globally as well. And I had just had this thought like for probably six months and I just, I went to market and made, because I once, I wanted something. We'd been using these like, um, started to use these like kids uh, waterproof sheets, which is so not sexy. At yeah. All. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. And I wanted something soft and plush and cozy and also kind of innocuous, like something you can't really tell is a sex blanket. Yeah. Could be like, you know, over your couch or sort of wherever in your house and no one knows. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I came up with Splash Blanket. I called it Squirt Blanket at first, but then what happened, so it saved my sex life basically, but then what happened is mum started saying, oh, my kids need this. And then people, pet uh, mums and dads were like, um, yeah, we, our dog needs this, our cat needs this. And then like um, the disability, you know, market has has gone into that with incontinence mm-hmm. and Oh my God. I even, I have messages every day with someone saying, oh, I had a fever and I was like, my whole bed was saturated. And then I Mm. realized I could just use the splash blanket. And there's just so many multiple uses and particularly, and that home birth, this is a whole other use for these blankets. And the the best selling color is this moon blood color that I, that I love. It's like a deep maroon. And I think women love to free bleed on it and have give birth. And, and there's also a white side as well. So you can flip it over and so you can see the color of the blood and um, I think that's really important, especially even if you're miscarrying or um, having an experience with you want to see what texture mm. and color and um, consistency the whatever fluids are coming out of you is very important. So, yeah, it's sort of that's how it started and now it's just like boomed into this global business. I had a photo shoot this morning with um, show, you know, showing all the water and how much liquid it can hold. It's just so much fun. I love it. 
That's amazing. Yeah. So we did our own little test version at home we recently <laughs> with our daughter, our six year old. We got on her bed and we we put it on her bed. Yeah. And she was she like, was if this blast. doesn't work, y'all are getting me a new bed. And we're like, OK, no worries. And we poured this giant vase of water all over it. And we were all just like, wow. And like tapping it, was, yeah, it, it and like great. splashing it and seeing how it just absorbed right through because we. Uh, we had her at home, so we had a home birth, and we're gearing up for another one. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of you, all forms of all kinds of liquids and things. And to have this now for this birth, I'm really excited because we do have that moon blood color, mm -hmm. and so it's plush and it's beautiful. And we're gonna have a birth photographer, so I like the idea of the scene aesthetically being so supportive of this beautiful non-regulated, non-medicated experience that sometimes the chucks pads and the the sterile kind of things, it's like mm, similar to the bedwetting sheets, you know, for toddlers, like eh, not like I'm, I'm a grown woman goddess, like bringing a baby into the world. Like I don't, I don't need all of this around me or I don't need to hear like those crinkly plasticky things around me. I would Absolutely. much rather love to be like enveloped in, in plush and lush and and all of that, like luxury almost <laughs> to yeah. have in it the experience. It really is. My favorite photos to see come through are women who've just given birth and mm. they're wrapped, they're wrapped up in a blanket and then they've also got their baby one as well. Yeah. Because also the texture, I see, you know, so much coarse towels wrapping yeah. these babies up and I just think, no, it needs to be this really soft plush uh, material. And we're bringing out a bamboo um, blanket that's launching this week and a padded mat as well, a padded mm. waterproof mat. So that's also mm. coming out next month, um, which is beautiful because sometimes you want to make love on the floor mm -hmm. um, or you want to give birth on the floor. I love feeling grounded. Um, I would imagine if I am giving birth, I would love to be on my hands and knees on a padded mat and just know that I can make a mess. And it's yeah. not, you know, it's a psychological piece. And that's what I realized is. I call it a psychological sex toy because when you know you can let go, you can let the floodgates open, you can release fully and make a mess or wet the bed, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. and you, you will. You're more likely to have a really positive experience, whether that's sexually or in giving birth, because you just know mentally oh, I, can, I can let go. Mm -hmm. It's not going to yeah. stain the floor. It's not going to ruin the mattress or the carpet or whatever surface you're on. That does make such a huge difference. It creates that space for you to feel safe, fully expressed. And this is applicable in preconception, particularly a time where we had a two-year conception journey. So there were times during that where it can feel mechanical. It can mm -hmm. feel robotic. It can feel like something like a duty and that you have to, to have. And that, that has impact on the experience. So something like simple, and it might not seem so obvious, but having not having to like clean the sheets daily or worry about ruining the bed, like to not have that be a factor in it can create more of that safe space and that opening and that um, surrender that then of course carries over into, into birth and then postpartum. I'm super excited for it for postpartum to, to lie on while I'm healing and I'm recovering um, and the night sweats and everything that you talked about, all of that, it just, just can make a difference and make you feel better. And I can't tell you how many women I've had reach out since we've shared about it. They've said, Oh my gosh, this would, I wish I knew about this yeah. when I had my babies, or I wish I knew about this. Um, yeah. so, well, and we've got a U.S. um, dispatchment center now. So as of this cool. month, it'll be like free shipping in, in the U S so that's really exciting. Um, and another product I just wanted to mention when I had a miscarriage 
a year and a half ago. And I remember I was wearing my period undies and I was wanting to see, you know, what, how much blood was yeah. coming out, what was coming out of me. And so I created these organic reusable white or they're kind of like a creamy color pads. And I mean, obviously you can just use ones from the grocery shop that are just like um, disposable ones, but it was nice to have, um, you know, to have pads that you can actually see as well what's coming out. And I I think that's important postpartum as well, I imagine. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, For for overall health and to communicate with your provider. I mean, one thing we've talked about, if our midwife doesn't make it here on time, which is a possibility for the birth, um, keeping me out of water and on a surface where we'd be able to see what's coming out of me and how much blood, et cetera, so that we can communicate that. So to have something that allows us to do that and also we won't ruin the floor, yes great yeah and it looks great <laughs> yeah and it like, looks nice and maya's been stealing it now oh, my she daughter takes she it. takes it now so. oh you need you need three yeah i know clearly like one for each of you because pets steal them kids steal as soon as yeah. they feel them yeah. i'm a very sensory person i'm all about texture all my pillows in my house are very like that velvet and as soon as a kid or an animal, particularly cats, but dogs as well, they feel it. They're like, oh, this is mine. Yeah, now. yeah. I'm like, mine. No, not yeah. Yet. <laughs> and we have ours on our on our living room couch as well. Yeah, it yeah. Just, it, it hangs can, out because it it's so beautiful. Travels. Yeah, it does travel. <laughs> yeah, wherever you need it. <laughs> it's good to have a travel one too, actually. Yeah. yeah. Just oh. that you can, you know, because hotel rooms, it's it's important to um protect those beds as well. My friend got fined a thousand dollars for ruining a mattress at an Airbnb. So wow. take your storage blanket to your hotels and your Airbnbs. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Save your save your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Rosie, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful to you on so many levels for what you're doing, what you answered the call to, and how you you keep innovating, you keep creating with it all with this this healing in mind. And we're very much um, of that belief and practice in our lives as well, that sexual intimacy is healing and it creates and you manifest with it. So let's create as much of a loving, open conversation around it to minimize and reduce that fear, guilt, and shame. So I love that you're out there doing that with with such grace and style. And I'm so, I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rosie. Thank you so much to both of you for bringing this, bringing light to this conversation that's usually so taboo. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.